Hello and welcome to First Flight, a Star Trek Enterprise rewatch podcast where we are watching and discussing each episode of Enterprise in succession. First Flight is a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Network. This is Commander Tucker of Enterprise. We've got some information you're going to want to hear. Welcome, Enterprise fans. I'm your co-host, Chris. And I'm your co-host, Abby. Tonight, we're discussing Horizon, the 20th episode of Season 2. Horizon was written by Andre Barmanis and directed by James A. Conter. It aired on April 16th, 2003. But before we begin our discussion, of course, we always need to issue our read alert. Tactical alert. All hands to stations. There are potential spoilers ahead. We might end up talking about any part of the series at any time, so you have been warned. And now for a summary of the episode. It's time for the Captain's Log. So, Abby, let's go. Captain's Star Log Supplemental. All right, so I have to say I'm kind of proud of my haiku this time, though I do have two endings, so I'm going to read it <laughs> twice. The first two lines will be the same. The last line, because I, I just couldn't choose, and I'll let you listeners decide which one you prefer. Mm. Um, so here we go. First haiku for Horizon. Travis visits home. Family dynamics changed. Also, volcanoes! Or... <laughs> <laughs> Travis visits home. Family dynamics changed. To Paul like zombies? Yes. So I could I couldn't decide. Is it zombies or Frankenstein? Well, it's Frankenstein, the but they called them zombies, right? Did they? They were talking about zombie movies? Or am I just oh, getting I my remember. strange new worlds in there? I think that's strange new worlds with Spock, right? They were talking about horror movies in general. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I like that one. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like also volcanoes because it just fit perfectly in there. Yes. T'Pol likes monsters or something. Yes. There we go. Or Shelly. Oh, Shelly. I like that even better. So, so alternated there. Yeah. So there's so many it. options. This is Schrodinger's haiku. <laughs> it is because you know there's two really big stories in this one and i felt like i couldn't just talk about the travis story because yeah. there's a lot going on in the b plot but you only got five syllables in there and so yeah yeah also volcanoes to and Paul, like two of them works i know right travis he doesn't have another name i know Ugh. archer we can do trip but he's not really what the focus is on so it's all right the haikus are a challenge and i like it so yeah. <laughs> there we go travis is going home we're talking about monster movies well let's go ahead and deploy our subspace amplifiers and start talking about this episode so we'll start with a quick chat about the cold open and then head into our pros and decon section each of us will share three of our favorite parts of the episode. And then if there are things that don't quite gel with us, we'll have a discussion in any of the decons from the episode. You might hear a dog bark in this discussion if somebody's Porthos pick is mentioned, but we'll still discuss them later on. 
Okay, so let's get into the episode. And as always, we start with something near and dear to my heart, the cold open. Chris, what are your thoughts on how the episode starts? I love the anti-grav book nook. <laughs> That's what I called it. That's fabulous. He's just chilling there, reading a book. I'm like, that mm-hmm. sounds amazing. That looks amazing. And I just love the detail and returning to that. That was one of the trademark visual constructions of Broken Battle. So mm-hmm. I I just love when we go back there. And we don't go back there much. I think this is the last time, yeah. isn't it? I believe it is, yes. It's mentioned a couple other times, you know, Travis's sweet spot. But yeah, we don't go back. And I, I think it's adorable that he ha- hangs out there. Like, it's just his comfort spot. What a boomer thing. It's beautiful. Yeah, and like, again, we've been saying this a lot, but it grounds Enterprise to our current space program where there is no gravity yep. in space sh- stations and ships. And so when Archer's floating up to hang out with Tra- Travis, it's just... It connects us to reality in a way that only Enterprise does. Yeah, it would have been even more realistic if um, when Archer floated, his hair had gone straight end to end. But yes, Um, it is neat to see. No, you're forgetting all the late 90s or 2000 hair gel. Oh, you're right. I suppose it was <laughs> very heavy from all of that gel and now moving. <laughs> but we we did get to see Archer's incredible thigh strength for a little bit in there, too. When he first lands by Travis, you see him doing the squat. He's sitting by the next shot, thank God, because, I mean, as much as I approve of Bacala having strong legs, that would have just been mean to make yeah. that poor man do that entire scene squatting. Yeah. But, yeah, what a fun beginning. And it's just, it's such a nice touchstone for travis and it's fun to see him just like has his little water he's got his book like Mm -hmm. you can just see him being him and it's it's fun to see the crew when they're just relaxing i do wonder why he's still in his uniform but you know he does get called to the bridge right away so you never know when you're gonna need to fly the ship i guess i mean if trip is gonna hang out in his quarters playing the harmonica in his uniform true yep (laughs) that's what they're gonna do um oh and you mentioned the water i love that it was one of those water packs that yeah you know i think that's cool too we would use in nasa today so again another touchstone a physical reminder physical link to today all right so with that fun opening we move on to some more serious stuff and a little bit of monsters so Chris, how are you going to start us off with your first pro tonight? Well, I really love how this show emphasizes Travis's connection to his Enterprise family. I know he spends a lot of time with his real family, but through this episode, we get a real insight into what he thinks about his Enterprise family and how much they have impacted him. Um. You know, I love the Travis Archer scene about the cargo ships. Um, I love the Reed Travis scene about families and therapists on ships. Pointing <laughs> forward to TNG. I mean, that was directly for us, right? Um, I love the Archer Travis scene, the zero G and the tears and the clarinet French horn melody. That was really nice. Some 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 good 
very um, music broke through in this episode in an interesting way. Um, I have things to say, but I'll save that. <laughs> um, and I also love that Trip gives photos to Travis to show his yes. mom what his been boys up, what his boys been up to. So that's really sweet. And again, we've been talking a lot about Trip and Travis's friendship, and it's never big things, but it's these little moments woven throughout. And this was probably an easy scene to cut out, but I think was really essential for the character. The last one is Travis citing his experiences on Enterprise to advise his brother. Like he's constantly yeah. calling upon all these experiences and it really shows how much he's been marked by this time on Enterprise. Yeah, you're completely right. And it's it's so nice to see specifically that trip and Travis relationship you were saying it you forget how young Travis is in this you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. he's in his what early to mid 20s ish yeah. he's yeah. not very old and when you think about you know being that young and being out there and at the forefront of everything trips like a big brother I mean he's yes. not that much more experienced out in space but he's got more experience in life he's got more experience with being in Starfleet and being in this type of command structure. And it's, it's nice to see that big brother kind of passing him off because then Travis is the big brother when he goes home. And yes. those parallels are, are really interesting and trying to, I don't think Travis really has felt like a middle child before. He's always been, you know, the golden older brother and coming back and having had the experience on the other end and trying to impart that it's, it's really neat. And just seeing all the different ways. I like when Malcolm and Travis together too, like these are real friendships. These are people who are hanging out and, and chatting and talking and not just doing what they do. That's the big parts of the plot, but having lives. And that's, what's the fun part to see that Travis has really, absorb that into part of his identity you're completely right on that and you know the travis and reed relationship isn't one that we get much so it was cool that we got that little that little moment yeah they do a lot of unspoken both of them too there's a lot of body language and facial gestures and like eye squints that they they just play very well and naturally off each other i know that the the two actors had a great deal of fun with each other on the set so i think that really comes through and makes i think we see malcolm being warmer and more genuine with travis than we do with anyone else besides trip like they they've found common ground they've been through stuff together so they've got they've got a trusting relationship that you don't see him with with everyone else and it's nice did they make the vulcan snowman together yeah <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> yeah um travis is 25 in broken bow there we go so he'd be 26 maybe 27 depending when his birthday is he was born in 21 26 so yeah. don't you love the right internet yeah memory alpha <laughs> <laughs> all right so, so what's your net your first pro my first pro dovetails so nicely because it's talking about how much I love seeing Travis with his family mm. and they feel like a genuine family. This is not a sitcom-y 2000s type family. This is a real family, but it's also not a tragic family, you know, that's had, yes, they've had a loss, but it's not something that, you know, is going to break them and shatter them and cause, you know, death and destruction. It's 
it's going to cause normal amounts of family stress. Now, granted, there's a space battle that comes later, but <laughs> when they first get there, you're just seeing the dynamics of a normal family. They're grieving, they miss each other, they love each other, but they're acting out a little bit. Everything is heightened, everything's intensified, everybody's feeling pressure, everybody wants the best for everybody else, and they're not quite sure how to get there. Mm-hmm. The poor mom is such a mom in this one, like how she's holding <laughs> Travis as they walk down the hallway because she just needs to touch him because it's been the first time she's actually been in the same place as him for so long and she's still wearing her wedding ring which Mm -hmm. just when you see her hug both of those boys and you see that ring and you just think god this woman just lost her husband of decades Mm -hmm. and she's doing all this for her boys like that's a parent moment Mm -hmm. and the contentious sibling relationship that was very very honest It, it was well done like there are layers and things can change on a dime between siblings and you hit hard and you know where to do it because you've lived with these people forever and you know they're soft underbellies but at the same time you love them more than anything else and i think it was interesting to see these two men trying to come to terms with each other and their loss and what was going on around them in a very high pressure situation and i liked that it didn't break down into they had to like fight mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. with their fists. They didn't have to, they solved this by like chatting, talking, compromising. And even when it got intense, there was no scuffle. Yeah. They just said what they needed to say, which was intense in its own way and such a sibling thing to do. Cause you know that mama's not going to put up with the two of them having a fight. Like that's not happening. So they did it in a different way and they came to a compromise, but it is a sibling thing. It's not all the way better, but you still have that, that tight relationship in there. That's just that little bit better because of what you went through. Still got a ways to go, but it's a little bit better. And it just felt really honest to me this time around. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I, I'll save some thoughts for the decons. (laughs) Okay. I, I have some of those too. Yeah, I mean, I like, like you said, I like that there was no physical fight, that they were men, they could talk their way through it. And so I appreciate, appreciate that. There were some egos going on and some fear about, you know, if they're really worthy of, of succeeding the father and all that kind of stuff, and maybe some resentment about Travis leaving. Um, so yeah, it was a good family dynamic, and I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing humans not in Starfleet on a starship, right? Yep. It's, we don't get that for an extended period of time. So that, you know, more of that would be great. Yeah, it feels like Enterprise. This is a lived in ship. This is a real thing. This is. (laughs) It really does feel like Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, but. I mean, it, it feels like a home. There we go. How's that? It feels like these. It's this place, a place that's been lived in. It feels real. It would have been great if Travis withdrew into the sweet spot on that ship. That would have been really cool. That would have been cool. Yeah. And it would have been even better if he had found his brother there. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Or his brother had found him there. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Yep. They probably yeah. didn't have the money for that many people in harnesses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, moving on from one family to another to your second pro. 
Well, it's still sticking with Travis's family, but specifically okay. his parents, both the mom and the dad, mm. because this episode reveals what he's learned and is still learning from his parents. Yeah. And so I love that quote he whips out to his brother that we all mm-hmm. believe it's from Archer, but no, it's from his dad. And it is. If you want to be an effective captain, you have to set your personal feelings aside. Listen to what others have to say. You know, when you were talking about the family, they're not, they're just like, almost like working class, right? Mm -hmm. So this is one, like a working classman's quote on how to get through the day and do the job well. And it's not a fancy Picard way of phrasing it, but it's so truthful. And I love that Travis, he absorbs, he's he's a sponge. Maybe that's why he doesn't talk much. He, just, he doesn't have a lot of lines. He's just <laughs> listening to everyone and he soaks it in. And you really see that in this episode. He's learned so much from everyone around him. But this pick is about how he learns from his dad in that quote. And then he learns from his mom when she gives him that pep talk at the end. And that scene was just really powerful. That was, to me, the truest family scene um, on the horizon. Um, I think that actress was one of the, probably the best um, actor of the family members on the horizon. So I really enjoyed all Travis's interactions with his parents now and recalling an interaction from his past. Agreed. And, you know, I said how much I felt like mom was really a mom in this and yeah. that, that scene. Oh, it, and when she goes, well, now you know what it's like to be a parent. Like it, it's just somebody who wrote this had a really good mom or somebody who had a hand yeah. in writing this had a really good mom because re- she does really good mom stuff. And when mm-hmm. you see like, she's already planting some of the seeds that need to be planted way back in the beginning and you don't even realize it till later and i just i would love to have seen a scene a scene with just her and the brother maybe talking about travis like her and paul having this 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 moment not that he even has to overhear just her saying something where you realize she knows what's going on yeah and she knows that they have to figure it out but she's pushing them in a a peaceful or a positive or a hopeful direction. I think that this would have been an episode that would have benefited from being either, we said this last time, two parts where it could have almost been Travis goes back and then, oh my goodness, they're getting attacked and there's a beacon stuck to them and part two next week Mm -hmm. more in full and all that. Or Mm -hmm. it needed to be on streaming and have like seven more really dense minutes of like family stuff to really flesh it all the way out. But that mom, you're right. She's fantastic. The actress really sells it. Physically, she seems like someone who has worked hard her whole life, yes. but is carrying herself with the presence of somebody who's in charge. And I think a lot to myself, she did not take the captaincy. Her mm-hmm. son did. She mm-hmm. will be taking orders from her son. There's a reason for this. Mm-hmm. He's okay with this. Everybody understands that this is natural. She might be the matriarch of the family of the ship, but it's okay that she's not the captain. And that Mm -hmm. says a lot too. That, and she's got the most rocking headbands as someone who wears a ton of (laughs) headbands to keep her hair off her face, could not let her pass without commenting on that awesome headband. Well, she, she, both of them. 
she leads with strength and dignity, but it's yes, it's quiet. And she's growing leaders from within, even when they're not quite ready. Which is so wise. Right? Exactly. Yeah. She's really, she is in command of that starship, just not formally. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I want a full scene of her talking with the brother. She's such a presence that she could just look at him a certain way. And then he kind That's of showers and looks like his eyes of her, you know, like, and you've got the whole message right there. You know, that actress does a really good job and that's all it would take. I think. Yeah. I either way they could either make it much, much longer or very, very quick and, and, and subtle either way would do really well. Absolutely. All right. Your next pro. Okay, so let's leave the horizon for a moment and jump to the B-plot. Okay. <laughs> because I have to say, I enjoyed watching the Enterprise crew off-duty hanging out. Yes. Almost as much as I enjoyed the other plots. Like, the beginnings of of some of the the playful teasing between T'Pol and Trip that we see. Because before mm -hmm. this, it has been more barb. But this yes. is definitely teasing and yes. it has changed. And that's a very subtle difference. But my favorite part of this whole subplot is when they're talking about how there's not going to be much to do. And Paul goes, well, you'll have plenty of time to practice your harmonica. And the look on Tripp's face, he gives her this like, <laughs> and she just barely rolls her eyes as she looks away from him. Like <laughs> it is the most subtle Vulcan eye roll ever. It is. It makes me laugh every single time and it's just they would never have done that before and knowing where this is going in the next season i mean we're in the very back third of season two they're setting up some big stuff to start happening and this is where you start to see that yeah i do believe that they actually have this affection for each other under it because they've graduated to a new level of of interplay and they're not just colleagues that respect each other now they're friends too yes and that's that's a line that they hadn't crossed before and i really like that the fact that he wants her at movie night he talks her into it he brings up the pseudoscience in the movie you know they're reanimated life forms that's where i got zombies that's why ah. and uh <laughs> yeah because i was and then i was thinking oh how cool zombies are coming up next season but anyways <laughs> so he's explaining the science to her he's talking about it and then when she keeps coming back she's like well maybe we should have a dramatic reading and he's just like all right fine never mind like, <laughs> it's just it's beautiful and then archer steps in is kind of like you know all right fine come be my date and she's like excuse me and he's like no 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 so see look at that we don't need any tension it was much cuter this way mm -hmm. and i just think it's fun and i think then she ends up in the end shushing fluff eating the popcorn with her hands yes and enjoying it talking about it from a completely different perspective than any human ever would have had and just to watch them have that last discussion about the plot and the protagonist and the story it was just fun this is enterprise character building and doing fun all at the same time and bringing in you know a classic work of literature too so i really enjoy this subplot do i think it fits perfectly with the a plot not necessarily but on its own it's a fabulous subplot and also volcanoes so you know <laughs> yeah yeah you know i liked the whole um 
literature discussion. Um, but the thing I really wanted to focus on with what you said, and I felt it in this episode, was that growing relaxed relationship between Tafal and Trip. And yep. you you felt where they're going, like you said. Because yep. it's been kind of stiff and just kind of like colleagues. And the only time there's emotion between them is when like Trip doesn't agree with a command decision or something, right? Right. Um, but yeah, it this is like a turning point, like a little bit of a turning point here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this episode is rooted back to the catwalk. Because that's that's when they started watching movies, right? And she joined that, right? To fraternize with the crew. Is, yep. is that correct? Yeah. I, there had been movie nights before, but this was the that was the first one that she really joined in on. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Travis cites the the catwalk as well. There was some yep. direct references to that. So we've gone back to the catwalk a lot this season. I think the writers knew how good that one was. Yeah, I agree. And I think, again, this is that nice little internal continuity mm-hmm. that Enterprise has. And then now it's to the point where it can reference itself, not just other stuff. And then that's just so fun for those of us who get it and love it. And again, it's what makes the universe feel real. Of course, these characters are going to refer back to stuff that happened to them. It was their lives. Mm-hmm. So it makes them feel more more three-dimensional, more like real people. You know, being stuck on that catwalk for that many days, yeah, it's it's gonna be an issue. I loved when when Travis's mom too was calling back to all the stuff that he hadn't told her about that she had to hear from the sister, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, of course your mom's gonna worry about that stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. your real life. That's what makes it them feel like people. Yeah, yeah. So, we ready for my last pro? I think we are. Go for it. All right. It's the Horizon Starship Battle. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. It was fun. I loved when they unbuckled all the cargo pods and the ship was let free to really maneuver wild. And just, just I love that Travis could call upon his experience to make a difference, even yep. though he's underarmed. He's a scrappy fighter. Like, their ship does doesn't even have phase cannons right like we were talking about last episode in judgment phase cannons are low yield particle weapons according to the Mm -hmm. klingons well these guys got nothing then they got like sling slingshots (laughs) right so (laughs) throw your shoes at them that's right so but but you know travis hanging out with trip has really helped because he can enhance the weapons and probably hanging out with reed helps with tactical and then, of course, his excellent flying ability. So it all culminates. Like, we we get to see the result of a year and a half on Enterprise in this one episode. And we don't really get to see the full growth of a character in one episode like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we see a lot of growth from DePaul and Archer and Trip, but not in the same way. Like... It's like the writers took snapshots of all these things that has happened and they found their way um, and expressed themselves through Travis's choices and actions. So I thought that was really well done. And so, yeah, I love that about the battle, but I also just love watching the battle. It was a fun battle. 
the battle is awesome. And, you know, we were just talking about the internal continuity. And when I'm hearing um, Travis talk to his brother and talk him up and saying, like, we can do this. You can't give in to bullies like this. Yes. All of that. I'm thinking back to, like, Fortunate Son last season where they had the Boomers and the Nausicans and he watched them stand up. And then Marauders, like, I'm sorry, they fought off those Klingons. Now, they were budget Klingons, but <laughs> they should not have been able to do that. So, like, this is this is Travis bringing all that in. And it mm-hmm. makes such a cool thing. And I, it makes them both better. They're scaffolding each other to be better. And it works. And it's wonderful. And I do hope that Paul lets Malcolm take the beacon off of the hull. Like he says, you know, okay, thanks at the end. I don't know if he actually does it or not, but how cool to see they both kind of come to each other's perspectives. It takes a battle, yes, but again, they're not fighting each other. They're fighting with each other. They're fighting alongside each other. It's a whole different thing. And it it, it is a visually very cool battle. And it's just fun to see all those little things come together. You're completely right. Yeah, and you just made me think of a very iconic quote from Star Trek. I don't like bullies, and I don't like threats, <laughs> and I don't like you, I don't like Cola. you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, not liking bullies, classic Star Trek. Travis internalized it. Absolutely. He's a classic Star Trek character. Done. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Abby. Bring us home. What's the final pro? Okay. So this one is might sound a little bit silly, but again, it goes with the whole world building that we were talking about. So as anyone who's listened to this pod before knows, I try to listen to the episode at least once on headphones every single Mm -hmm. time that I'm going through because you hear things differently. Can I tell you how amazing all the background vocals on the horizon are? during this like Mm -hmm. you can hear actual conversations and it makes it feel like an actual ship that's busy that has cargo like when they first meet up when travis and paul first meet up and he's like yeah the problem is like what are we gonna do where are we gonna store it like we've got too much going on and that scene in particular like if you start at about 14 and a half minutes you can hear conversations especially on the headphones going back and forth Mm -hmm. between your ears and one guy going yeah looks good if I can get that latch open, yeah, that makes sense. Is this stuff refrigerated? That's what I'm going to hear every single time that I watch this episode. <laughs> Is this stuff refrigerated? Because you, <laughs> it feels real. But I, it wasn't something, again, that distracted me. And once I noticed it, it, I noticed it all the way through. There was always something beeping, something being fixed, somebody talking, something going on, like a real ship. And that's what made it feel that little bit different than Enterprise was all of this activity all the time everywhere because this was pretty much you know an entire neighborhood mm-hmm. in a ship and i really liked that and is this stuff refrigerated is now one of my <laughs> favorite deep cuts of enterprise so silly little one but it really does make the world feel more lived in well and also as to the more like making it seem more claustrophobic as a ship yes yes right even though it looks as spacious as Enterprise, um, <laughs> it feels more claustrophobic because of all that sound and noise that we don't usually get in a Federation yep. starship. Well, the, a Starfleet starship <laughs> in this in this series. Yeah, that's that's I like that 
pick because it's that minutia that mm-hmm. we notice and celebrate. Mm-hmm. Is this stuff refrigerated? <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, be- you're going to have to find the timestamp for that so I can plug that in now. Transfer these canisters over to module four. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you're old enough to drive that thing? An ensign ought to salute before addressing a captain. Acting, Captain. Don't let it go to your head. I'll catch up with you in a few minutes. See you at dinner? Travis, you might want to change into something a little less conspicuous. It's I I wrote in here fourteen forty five is where it started. Okay, fourteen forty. And it's like the thirty seconds that they're chatting in there. And I want to say I heard it in my right earphone more, but that could be. But I, I'll tell you, you make sure that when you're cutting for it, you have both in because they literally are ping ponging back and forth, which was really fun. That is cool. Yeah. Huh. I will never watch Star Trek for like analysis again without having at least one watch on headphones it makes such a difference oh maybe it's because i just got really good headphones too it was my gift to myself last christmas and i do not regret it for a second no and it's like the difference between watching star trek on sd versus hd Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah (laughs) i'm never going back no Well, let's move on to the decons, the parts of the episodes that didn't just yell with us. <laughs> Abby, let's start with you this time. Okay, so I'm going to start with a couple silly things, and as usual, and then move on to the others. So first of all, I would really like to know the story of how Archer was almost a boomer again, Mm-hmm. We did two episodes in a row. We don't know how he got captured by the Klingons last episode mm-hmm. in Judgment. We don't know this story about how he almost became a boomer. I would really like to know these things. So somebody out there, please give me that information. <laughs> Fanfic, whatever it was supposed to be in the script. I Let me just go to breakfast with Archer one day in here. Yes. So Because it's like a tease. We don't get to go to that breakfast later on. Dang. I also was kind of aggravated that the blonde ponytail friend that comes to visit Travis, she does not even get a name. Like he never yeah. says her name. Doesn't get a name. She's I literally have in my notes, star, 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 friend, star, 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 went looking for her name. She doesn't have a name. Like, and it just <laughs> that that felt very clunky to me. Like she felt clunky. It's coming yeah. in to tattle on her brother felt clunky. Yeah. Like it, it, and they didn't talk enough about like. Okay, so they've been friends since they've been jumping on beds. Great. Like, ask about her family. Ask about her pet. Ask about mm-hmm. what's her job. Like, we yep. don't know any of this. I, It just, it didn't feel like anything besides moving the plot forward. And that's fine. Like, we can have things that just move the plot forward. But. Also, insert attractive blonde female, number one. Right, exactly. Right? Like, not even a name. So, 
that's kind of a bummer. And okay, so here here comes my sort of nebulous one. I said how much I felt like this family relationship really was honest, and I do. Do I want, wish there was more? Yes, and I've said that in there. Like I wish it was either two parts or it had like seven more meaty minutes or we got to see some of the rest of the family. I wish there had been maybe a flashback to the dad. I, I, I don't know. I, I wanted there to be more. Like I really found that what I had there was good. I, at first, this one always bugged me because I felt like the brother was not that great at emoting. But yes. the older I get, the more I realize that that is what somebody who feels really deeply but feels like they can't show any emotion kind of is like in real life because I've run into people like that. So mm. watching it now, I'm like, oh, I think he's trying to play it as this guy who's simmering under the surface and also completely unsure of himself, but pretending and acting like he's got it all. And he's letting this thing with his brother be what he's going to put his energy into because he doesn't want to deal with the rest of it right now, or he can't deal with the rest of it right now, or he can't process the fact that He's wearing the captain's jacket because his dad died. And like, he didn't get any support from his brother for the first six weeks of it because he didn't even know. And like, then, of course, here comes the golden brother showing up. This felt more real to me this time. And yet I still want more. Hmm. Like, I wanted like one more bite, one more seasoning, one more scene, one more something to, to really make this feel like, yeah. It, it, it hit and I can't even say exactly it's just this nebulous it was almost there kind of thing and maybe it's because my other kind of decon here is I don't feel like the a and b plots connect like they just don't they're mm -hmm. both good they feel funny together kind of like silent enemy when you had the whole pineapple birthday cake for Malcolm like both really good character driven stories and that yes we're talking a little bit about family in both of them and found family and real family and all that but i don't felt feel like they connected enough for this to feel cohesive and maybe that's why i keep wanting like one more bite one more scene one more something to tie it more together but that's really hard to explain so i hope that came through no i had a similar experience the acting didn't quite gel for me in this episode. <laughs> um, everything's kind of flat. Besides the mom, I feel like her performance as well. But even un unnamed blonde friend <laughs> was, I felt like it was an actor reading lines. Yeah. That's what I felt a lot uh, on everything on the horizon. Felt like actors reading lines. And I couldn't quite pinpoint why it didn't feel authentic to me. Like the lines are fine, although sometimes they say too much, like they explain too much about what they're thinking. Um, oh, remember when you used to start chart these stars when you were a child? Wouldn't, yeah. You wouldn't say that. You would just say, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't give that backstory like that so, so um transparently right that was okay. really where have you uh, been locked in a cargo container for the past you know 18 months or whatever yes yeah, it's, it's clunky those, it's clunky and and the actors didn't quite sell it because you know 
an amazing actor can make a line work. Patrick Stewart has done it. Yes. Right? Oh, um, yes. Avery Brooks has done it. Oh, yes. Uh, like no one else could. And Anthony Montgomery, I don't think he's the best. His range isn't very, isn't very wide and deep. He's likable, he's charismatic. Um, I'm so glad he's part of the Star Trek family. But I think that's why we didn't get a ton of Travis. And so having an episode centered on him him entirely, he's like, he's just a good guy. Like there's not much to him. And we didn't, we didn't get a lot from this either. We got like information, but I didn't get, I didn't feel a lot from his performance or, or any of the performances really in the episode. And I can't explain why either. Uh, some of it goes to the music. So I'll, I'll go to that. <laughs> the music, I mean, it, it was the opposite of wallpaper music that, you know, Star Trek usually has in this time yeah. period. So I was enjoying hearing oboes, clarinets, French horns. But they were playing so much in dramatic scenes that I felt like I was <laughs> watching Hallmark, right? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know I didn't watch Top Gun growing up, so like I didn't have that that um, essential experience in the '80s or in the early '90s growing up <laughs> wanting to be Tom Cruise. So I had saw it when I was an adult, and I didn't quite enjoy it because every second was filled with score or tracks you know like pop music yeah there was never a down moment there was no dynamic it was just music all the time and that ruined the experience for me like i couldn't stand it now since i've gone back and i get it and i like it and i especially love the second one but um that's how i felt here like it's kind of schmaltzy music in the background with kind of these stilted the stilted dialogue and kind of flat performances that just created there was something synthetic about the whole experience and it didn't hook me in emotionally that's the best i can do to explain it but for me i didn't dislike no. it there was a lot good about it, it just didn't connect yeah and i think I think we're kind of saying the same thing. I just, I, I felt like what was there was better than what I remembered, maybe. But it still wasn't enough. Like, mm. I wanted there to be more. Or I wish we had gone back to the horizon at some point. And mm -hmm. tragically, with four seasons, it didn't happen. Yes. I would have really liked to have mm. gone back and seen Paul come into his own. Even like once a season, oh, it's our Boomer episode or have him come visit yes. Travis on his vacation and see his life and see that parallel. I think that would have been really cool. And I think maybe they would have done more of that if they had had more seasons, because I think it feels like we're seeing the middle of this story almost mm -hmm. and we don't ever get an ending. And I don't mind the middle of a story and I don't mind almost feeling unsatisfied if later on you get the rest of it and i guess knowing that we're not going to maybe that's part of what makes this feel so unfinished to me is that i know this is all we're gonna get well man just imagine season five and the horizon getting caught up in the romulan war 
Oh, right. And that's yeah. how they get back in. And the brother has to make a, the ultimate sacrifice or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to go back to um, Anthony Montgomery, he pulled out some tears. Oh, that yeah. was good. Yeah. That was good. And it wasn't over his eyes all welled up like that. You just want to hug him. It was good and restrained. Like it wasn't sobbing. Like it was really well done crying, not over the top, but just, you can see he was hit to the core. And so that was a great moment for Anthony Montgomery as an actor, but back to like the episode and how there wasn't enough, honestly, Mm -hmm we could have just never gone back to enterprise until the very end and not had the whole B plot with movie night Mm -hmm. that could have been put into any episode because like you said, it had no connection to this episode. I really loved it, but let's spend the whole episode on horizon and get seven more minutes, right? That there's your seven more minutes. Exactly. And, and like you said, like this felt like they were, implying this kind of neighborhood type setting of the horizon let's get more of that let's get him walking through quote town and like seeing an older gentleman that was like a a mentor and i don't know just more yeah where was his babysitter where was his great aunt where was his godmother you know that kind of stuff yeah 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 so yeah i i like that and and or develop unnamed blonde Yes. You know, give that... Maybe Travis goes to dinner with her family because obviously they grew up together. Her parents maybe are still around. Like, go have dinner there. And that's where it comes out. It would have been even better if he had gone to dinner at her family's house or whatever and the parents had been the one to bring it up. And then he's like, why didn't you say anything? And she's like, well, I didn't want to be the one to tell you your brother sucks. Like, that would have been so much more development so much more interesting so many more layers so much more boomer life yeah i mean who doesn't love who doesn't not love an awkward like family dinner scene yeah right and then there would have been even more food oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's where we're going we're missing meals (laughs) (sighs) so anyway I think I think it was a good episode, but just something didn't gel. Mind if we take a look? Pretty sad I ever saw. All right. Well, moving away from the gel, we have now come to our newest section the view screen on this is the section where we honor a beautiful shot or graphic from the episode that we really want to highlight and call out for its imagination and beauty so chris why don't you start us off tonight what do you have for us well i need to introduce my pick with a haiku oh so here we go travis visits home family dynamics changed also <laughs> volcanoes <laughs> and my pick is oh. <laughs> sorry plagiarism uh, no that's perfect <laughs> my so pick honored. is the volcanoes on that planet that was really cool we, we don't get that kind of shot much of stuff yeah. coming off of the planet leaving the atmosphere that was so unnecessary but so cool again like harkening back to a core 
you know, phrase in the Star Trek um, monologue, strange new worlds. And this is one of them. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you picked because that was such a cool shot. And I, it was almost my view screen on. And yeah, how cool. And Hoshi calls them out to see it. And like, mm-hmm. you can start to see the volcanoes over Trip's shoulder. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it is so cool. I bet somebody had a lot of fun doing that shot, that visual effect. Like, yeah, blow stuff up, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was yours? All right. So that was my honorable mention. But me, the person who's not so into starships, Every single time I watched this one, I could not look away from the Enterprise when it undocks from the horizon and pulls away mm. and you get the back shot of both of them. Yeah. The, first of all, the horizon is a really long, skinny ship. And so it's yes. really cool to see, you know how big Enterprise is, but to see it pull away from the horizon and realize that it's that big of a ship. Yes. And it's just, you don't usually get that view. You're usually seeing it from the front. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated seeing it from kind of that diagonal backwards angle. And it's it was just a pretty ship shot. And the, those don't usually get me. So the fact that this one, every single time I was like, yeah, that's a cool shot. And it's maybe three seconds. It is not long, but it's a cool shot. So it had to be my view screen on. Yeah, and I love I love seeing different, ship classes i'm a, obviously i'm a ship guy, ship guy i have you know 60 models <laughs> i don't i don't have the horizon um i don't know if they make that i'm I, i'm sure they do but <laughs> i like did. that it still follows the basic rules of starship design it has nacelles you know that has mm-hmm. all the pieces that we expect from a a human starship and i just re- Respect that internal continuity of Starship design. So, and you know, yeah. I, I'm a sucker for those red, half spherical um, Bussard collectors. I just love those <laughs> and the classic design. And you get them all the way back to the Phoenix in First Contact, yep. and then of course Enterprise, um, and all those ships until we get to the Enterprise A, which was my favorite Star, well, the Enterprise refit. That's my favorite. But it loses that red glow. That yeah, mm, it's a great design feature, and I'm glad <laughs> the horizon has it. So good pick. Why? Thank you. So we've come to the time where we discuss our favorite parts for the episode, our Porthos pick, and I don't think any of us picked it or mentioned it so far. So. We're going to go ahead and talk about a few more great moments. So, Abby, let's start with you. What's your Porthos pick for the episode? Okay, so this is a very me and a very enterprise pick, but I love the fact that we have multiple scenes of big things happening over meals at a table in this episode. I mean, think Mm. about it. Mm. We've got... Malcolm and Travis eating together, having that whole discussion. And by the way, Malcolm is eating sliced beef, mashed potatoes, and broccoli. Travis has <laughs> steamed greens and some sort of shrimp pasta. Just in case, can't tell what they were drinking. It was in the mugs. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they have that whole discussion there. And I have to say, I absolutely love the fact that Travis zips up his communicator into his chest pocket there. Like, yeah, he had it out, he, but he's got this cute little pocket right there. And you get to see it. It's just... It's fun, but a huge part of like plot and exposition and character Mm -hmm. development taking place over a table. Guess what? 
Travis and his mom talk over the table. And you know, for all that he talks about that strawberry shortcake, he does not take it with him and he does not finish it. So if it was really oh. that close to his heart, I would have been eating it out in the hallway. So just saying. Mm. But again, strawberry shortcake, delicious there. We are ta- at the end, we have um, Archer and Trip and T'Pol discussing the movie and all of it over a meal at a table. Like this is just such an enterprise thing. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're talking and they're having moments over food, sharing a meal. And usually we get it once, maybe twice in an episode. But to have three big moments that are, you know, the food is is not important, but it is because that's where it, this is happening. That's where these moments are occurring. And that's where you're having these these character moments is over food and nothing could be more enterprise than that so i had to call it out as my porthos pick i understand you made a few modifications to the impulse relays next time you might want to check with me i am the chief engineer i knew how paul would react i didn't drag you into it (laughs) i've played referee between you and your brother for a long time Never thought I'd actually miss these. Nutripacks? Not just any Nutripack. Strawberry shortcake. The first time I tasted real shortcake was in San Francisco. It just wasn't the same. <laughs> I think they've ruined your taste buds. I wouldn't mind eating like this again. I'm thinking about asking for an extended leave. I'm sure Captain Archer would approve, considering. How long would you stay? As long as I'm needed. But you're needed on your ship. I'm not the only helm officer. Even if your captain agrees, it could be a long time before Enterprise is back this way again. There's a lot for me to do here. I can help upgrade the guidance and warp systems. With a little luck, we could make Horizon the fastest J-Class in the fleet. You're going to give up your career, move back home, and take orders from your brother. My career's the last thing on my mind right now. (laughs) Congratulations. Now you know what it's like to be a parent. (laughs) I could spend every waking minute worrying about you, too. But I'd never get any work done. He's not ready, Mom. You should have seen your father when he took over. He was a year younger than Paul is now. He was an engineer. He didn't know the first thing about running a bridge. We fell so far behind schedule, he almost lost his ECA license. He wanted to quit. I wouldn't let him. Your brother just needs some time. You don't think I should stay? Didn't we have this conversation? It was right here in this room four years ago when you first thought about joining Starfleet. A lot has changed in four years, Mom. That's true, and a lot more is going to change. Will we be talking about this again in another four years? You're the helmsman of the first Warp 5 starship. I'm proud of you. Everyone here is, even Paul, though he won't admit it. If you'll indulge a little motherly advice, don't let your guilt over leaving guide your decision. I'll try to keep that in mind. 
Good night. Well, it's classic literature. I mean, commun communion and community. Yep. Happened around yep. the table or around eating, mm -hmm. and it's often an intimate act. So mm -hmm. we get some intimate details coming out in all those kind of scenes. And obviously, that's a trademark of Enterprise that we just love so much. Absolutely. I couldn't We're, not feature it today. Worthy of a Porthos pick. <laughs> we have a bit of crossover with our Porthos pick. Mine zeroes in on one of those table scenes where, I mean, you, you have to know it's where T'Pol's um, expressing her reading of Frankenstein. And yes. that she wants all Vulcans to read it when they're assigned to Earth so they can understand humans. It's, it's wonderful. It <laughs> yes. And I just, I, I got to read her analysis because like it was blowing my mind. And yeah, she's um, not wrong. I've actually never read Frankenstein. <gasps> it's, it's one of those classic ones still on my list. Um, so it's good. Uh, yeah, and I'm kind of saving it. Epistolary uh, fiction is not my favorite kind. I don't know. I don't get drawn into it, but I, I'm, I'm going to do it someday. Um, but I love how they says she says, um, from, from my, my perspective, perspective, this was the story of an individual persecuted by humans because he was different. That's one way of looking at it. In many ways, the film seemed quite prophetic. The reaction of the villagers, for example, it was similar to the reception Vulcans received after landing on Earth. <clears throat> I don't recall anyone greeting the Vulcan ambassador with torches and pitchforks. Nevertheless, many humans reacted with fear and anger. They didn't know what to expect. I'm going to recommend that Ambassador Saval watch the film. You're kidding. I believe it would help Vulcans who've recently arrived on Earth. Maybe inviting her to movie night wasn't such a great idea. On the contrary, I'm looking forward to Bride of Frankenstein. Bridge to Captain Archer. Go ahead. You might want to look out the window, sir. How many iconic Star Trek characters feel like an outsider among humans? Mm -hmm. They are the sensual character through which we analyze hum the human condition spock data the doctor seven of nine yeah. odo right yeah yeah the list goes on yeah this is this is such an important thing in star trek also how many characters in star trek have daddy issues like frankenstein's <laughs> monster uh, true and there true. there's our thin connection with the a plot like both sons and living in the shadow of their father and what he thought and how he led and but it's a very thin connection uh, you know it doesn't quite work but that's that's the only connection i can find um so yeah i just love that that connection to literature of course and it, it grounds enterprise again in a classic the classic tradition of exploring the human condition through character and plot and i love it that's why that's how stories endure over hundreds of years it's if it does nothing but explore what the normal human experience 
all the other fanciful stuff doesn't really matter. It's that truth that that lets things last forever. Sorry, my TED Talk is over. (laughs) The bell's about to ring. It was beautiful. (laughs) It was beautiful. And, you know, I always like this this scene because it feels like, again, T'Pol's not wrong. And Mm -hmm. Archer and Trip are just flabbergasted by this completely different perspective. But again, it doesn't get mean. It doesn't get nasty. It doesn't get adversarial. It gets curious. It gets Mm -hmm. questioning. Mm -hmm. But then they're like, oh, well, all right. And it's just one more step in the this trio's relationship and their understanding and eye-opening on both ends. And I just it's it's just nice. It feels good. It feels like hanging out mm-hmm. with friends. And I like that they're all open-minded enough to do this with each other at this point. I mean, Tapal would never have at the beginning of Enterprise. And now this is just normal. And I like that. It just, it feels good. So what a perfect Porthos pick. Look, I would just watch the three of them discussing, like having um, the command book club (laughs) where they're just discussing (laughs) literature. Because I, I, you know, I used to teach AP um, English. And one time we brought two classes together and um, one of the schools I worked at was kind of just naturally segregated. And we were, as a mm. faculty, working so hard to try and bridge the gaps of this school that just naturally happened. And um, so me and another teacher brought our different classes together. And it was the different sides of the school. We would meet and have dinner after school and talk about our books. Oh, cool. And it was that it was that communion. And one um african-american boy he read frankenstein and he was tearing up talking about how it moved him so much because he saw himself in the monster existing in a fatherless kind of way right and he saw his uh, a large portion of like people in his life just in a fatherless situation and I'll not, I'll never think about that story in the same way that, yeah, I mean that the monster's rejected by his father, and that's yeah. you know it makes me about think about all the father problems on Star Trek too. So yeah, I do need to read that book, but I love how literature can connect all these different aspects in our lives and become meaningful in the same way that Star Trek does. Mm-hmm. Stories endure. Good stories endure. That's right. Accessing library computer data. Here at First Flight, we love trivia and behind-the-scenes tidbits, so we pick a few to share about each episode. And I'm going to start tonight because I have a fun one here. I uh, guess that the friend's name was Nora, because in this it calls her Nora. But uh, during (laughs) Travis's conversation with her in his quarters, you can see a copy of Chicago Gangs on the bookshelf in the background. And this is an homage meant to reference the TOS episode, A Piece of the Action, (laughs) in which a book with a similar title, Chicago Mobs of the 20s, was left on a planet by crew members of the USS Horizon. So that's fun. Oh, that's a lower decks tile. uh, Isn't it? Right. Yeah. 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 That's a really fun one. So I had to bring that one up. And, you know, we're going to call her Nora, even though nobody says Nora in the episode. (laughs) Good job, Nora. You got a name. (laughs) 
Hooray. All right, Chris, what do you have for us? <laughs> exactly. What do you got for us? Yeah, I have two little ones. And of course, um, this is going to be a surprise to no one. But I love that the tables in the Horizons mess hall were originally used for Voyager's mess hall. Yeah. Great That's detail. Cool. Yes. And then the other one in this episode dated January 10th, 2153. It is revealed that in the 18 months since its launch, Enterprise has traveled 150 light years and visited 22 inhabited planets. That's cool. No wonder they needed new deuterium. That's right. And to think, though, Voyager had to travel 70,000 light years. Oh, I know. That just, this is not really much that they've traveled. <laughs> but to them, it, it is. No, but they were the first. Exactly. Exactly. Every new step is just that, a new step, one step further. Yep. Okay, so one time Boimler dragged me to the Starship History Museum. Dragged? You ran up to the doors. No, I didn't. It was boring. I hated it. Anyway, um, so they had the NX-01 there, Archer's Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, classic design, plus it had, you know, the grapplers. Skip that part, they don't care. I love grapplers. See? Well, it's come to the time for our final thoughts and grappler ratings. We love grapplers. Abby. <laughs> yes, we do, Laon. How do you rate this episode? All right, so obviously there was lots of good stuff. We spent a bunch of time talking about it, but there was also always that, we don't know what is missing, but something is. It doesn't quite mm -hmm. stand up to other episodes of this season. And I think, like, we were texting before this, and I was like, you know, it's really hard to follow Judgment. Judgment was yeah. such a good yeah. classic, like, top of all Enterprise tops. So anything coming after it, it's going to be a hard road to hoe there. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that this one had a lot more this time around for me. I, it's not one I revisit all the time. And I really did enjoy some of the fi family dynamics. It made me think mm -hmm. I kind of want to reread Frankenstein after all our discussion tonight. Yeah. But am I going to go back and rewatch this one again? Probably not for a little while, but mm -hmm. this one, it's going to get a seven and a half grapplers for me because it's solid. I like the character development. I wish things had tied together better. I wish there'd been a little more, but there's some really good stuff in here. So 7.5 grapplers for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I usually do my grappler like right after I watch it. I only watched this one once. Um, that's all I had time for. And my gut was 7.0. Like it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Like it, nope. like all the pieces were good. It just didn't gel right all together yeah. perfectly but i can't fault it for any major glaring issues so like yeah it was a fine one i'm not going to go back to it a bunch but it was fine and what's crazy is geez i gave the communicator a seven you gave it a seven <gasps> i gave yeah. dead stop a 7.5 you know we both gave marauder 7.5 so like this yeah. is ranking close to things that we loved a lot more, but it's still like, it's hard to say, oh, it's, this isn't bad. Right. Not like, oh, that's a 60, a 6.0. Mm. Right. Yeah, no. Maybe it's just because we're so happy to get more Travis that it just boosts it that little bit because we're so hungry for more Travis that any <laughs> little bit feels that much more delicious, right? 
Well, and then, and there was something new and novel about being on a boomer ship mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there's something different there. The fun little B plot on the Enterprise was good. Like, there was a lot of good character stuff going on. And then the Starship fight, like, all maybe similar to like season two of Picard, all the pieces are good, but doesn't quite come together in the most satisfying yeah. product in the end. And that's okay. Okay. They can't all be stellar, and that's all right. Yes. Okay, but now after that, let's finish up with a quick recap of all of our pros, because there were so many good things. So run us through all your pros and your Porthos and your view screen and all the good stuff, Chris. Will do. Uh, the first pro is Travis's connections to his Enterprise crew his slash his new family. Number two what Travis has learned or is learning from both his mom and dad. Number three, Horizon Starship Battle. And the Bussard Collectors. And then my view screen (laughs) on is Volcano Planet CGI. And then my Porthos pick was to Paul's reading of Frankenstein and that it will help Vulcans understand humans. (laughs) I would really like a short track of her and Saval discussing Frankenstein now. I think we need that. Oh, and like, like, it can be animated. Yeah, like there's there's regular Vulcan book clubs now studying human literature. Yes. Different pieces. Yes. This sounds like a micro trek. It's part of the seminar sessions. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to read this one. <laughs> All right. What about yours? Can you recap yours for us? All right. So my first one was Travis's many layered relationship with his family, specifically with his mom. My second was the subplot about T'Pol watching Frankenstein and in particular, how we can see the development of her relationship with Trip in this one because of that subplot. Hmm. My third one is all the background vocals and noise and stuff going on on the horizon. Is this stuff refrigerated? Never going to not hear it now. (laughs) My view screen on was Enterprise pulling away from docking with Horizon and that kind of diagonal back angle that we don't see very often on our ships. And my Porthos pick was how we had three big, important conversations over tables full of food in this episode, and nothing is more Enterprise than that. No, it's not. There's a lot of good stuff in this one. For real, like, like, like we said, I mean, that's why it's a 7.5 for you and a 7.0 for me. My chronometer's running backwards, sir. Incoming transmission. You read my letter? Well, we want to remind you that we adore getting feedback and thoughts from listeners, as we hope you could tell from our last mailbag episode, which was so much fun. And we love sharing and discussing your insights and ideas and interacting with you and hearing what gels and doesn't. We've had lots of chats on social media with so many of you. And so we're collecting again for the next mailbag episode, which will be at the end of the season, which is coming up sooner rather than later. So this is your call for any grappler ratings, Porthos picks, view screen ons, or any other general comments or silliness. Please get them to us so you can be part of the mailbag episode fund. Yes, please, please do reach out to us and share any thoughts or smiles that you have for us using the hashtag character. You can reach us at First Flight Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky Now, and Facebook. 
We're also on YouTube under the Tricorder Transmission Network. And you can reach me personally at Shelf Nerds on Twitter and Completing the Shelf on my YouTube channel, where I discuss a lot about Star Trek, but also the MCU. So check that out. Abby, where can we find you? Well, the best places right now are Twitter slash X or Blue Sky, and I'm at Abby M. Summer. That's S-O-M-M-E-R. We want to thank you for spending this time with us. Of course, we'll be back next time with The Breach, the 21st episode of Season 2. Oh, I can't wait. Denobulans! Yes! Well, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, flocks. That's that's it. Flocks. Flocks. But until we get to a great flocks episode, we will leave you with this quote from Captain Jonathan Archer and your moment of melody. The most profound discoveries are not necessarily beyond that next star. They're within us, woven into the threads that bind us, all of us, to each other. We did it. I always hear. It always feels like an accomplishment. I know. Every time. I know. (laughs) And same when when recording track ranks. Mm Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you don't hear the Desert Crossing music you're dun, doing it dun, wrong dun, 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 dun. exactly so okay so did you see this the um other night the conversation that i had with my girls in the car i don't think you saw it because i didn't see that you liked it no. about the bunnies no i didn't okay so i had to make sure because you will totally appreciate this right so we're on our way back from a game night and it's dark but you know it's september now so that happens earlier but mm-hmm. the girls are tired it was friday night we're coming back they're quiet in the car i have just my quiet star trek music on and they always want to know the context and georgia okay. goodbye comes on and um. so ellie's like i don't understand why she has to leave she, if they really care about each other why does she have to leave and i said well you can't jump universes and jump times you start to come apart and ellie goes what you're gonna poof just like a bunny and lila goes i prefer not to be a bunny either and i about lost it and crashed the car it was so perfect i didn't even know she was still awake and she busts out an mbenga impression (laughs) and obviously not connected but we've watched enough that that was her response like oh my god it was just so funny and i was like you know what there's only gonna be a very small percentage of people who get that and get under why that was so funny but the little grovelly mbenga with her little five-year-old voice it was so funny it was one of those perfect moments i'm like i could not have planned that any better (laughs) it was great i know i know it was perfect it was absolutely perfect oh so i had to share that one for sure (laughs) yeah i love that oh what a great moment, especially your one of your favorite characters she's quoting. I know. I know. Well, and here's the thing. They, first of all, they think that Lower Decks is just the Boimler show. 
because oh. they've watched those old scientists. And I'm like, yeah. what about Mariner? They're like, nah, it's the Boimler show. And I'm like, well, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> and they still really are sad when there isn't a monster sucking on the Enterprise's nacelle yeah. like there was in the cartoon version. Yeah. But uh, it's it's interesting because they're asking about more of these characters. They're like, well, we want to see more about Uhura. We want to see more about Una. We want to see more about La'an. We want to see more about Mbenga. And I'm like, all right, well, we can we can do some of this. And then I'm just like... Benga. Well, I could show him Elysian Kingdom, but that's I don't necessarily know that I want to talk about that ending. Like, like, oh, <laughs> let me think on that one. Hmm. I showed my kids that one. And did the you? And they were okay of, with the ending. It kind, of, it kind of went over their head. All right. Because the daughter doesn't die. No. Right. It's only sad from a parent's point of view. Like, I, I honestly, that ending kind of doesn't gel with me <laughs> and it <laughs> it hampers the fun of the full episode although hammer oh oh science i know <laughs> i know so, so funny <laughs> well maybe we'll do that one another because they'll they'll absolutely adore the costuming just oh, like yeah. me and the fact that spock gets to be a wizard like heck yeah yeah her gets those big old fancy nails yeah the, the, yeah, yeah. I think I think that'll be a classic one in your house. <laughs> and Lon, there's a lot like of a costumes in our base. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that episode's made for you. <laughs> <laughs> that episode, I, I, the first time I watched, I had somebody warn me have a box of Kleenex, and it's huh. like halfway through, and I'm like, why do I have Kleenex? Oh, now I know. But like, I thought they thought I was gonna cry from the costumes, which there were moments where I was like, oh my god, those are so beautiful. Please be a costume feature, and then there was which made me so happy. But, so, but like, yeah. I get the theme of like, you have to let your children grow, let them go. Like, was that the theme of the story? But like, I, it just didn't land for me. Like, I don't, I, I'm not satisfied at all with that, that ending. And so I, that's one of the weaker episodes for me, even though it's fun. The ending yeah. doesn't land for me. And, I might just be missing something, uh, probably, because I know a lot of people love that one. I really like that one. And, you know, what gets me is, like, how did he know to trust Deborah the Nebula? Like, mm -hmm. I maybe he's had more experiences, more trusting. Or, like, if you're that desperate. I have never yeah. been at a point where it was either my kid dies or I trust something or someone else like, like that. Mm -hmm. Like, thank goodness I've never been in that position. I could only imagine... Well, it's like I, I guess look, I just we were we were set up in the beginning of the, the the season for him to, you know, discover a medical breakthrough, right? And we got a a, yeah. a little hint of that um, on the planet that kills kids. <laughs> yeah, and lift us up. Yeah. yeah, but then I so I can see like a I can see the seeds of an arc where he has to give up trusting in science and trust and and use faith. And you know, trust in this alien life form, Nebula, um, to heal her. But I, did, I didn't see that arc. It just happened. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Some something just didn't gel. And I, I, but I love watching all the actors. Maybe again, maybe it's the middle of the story. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Anson Mount in that episode could not have been having more fun. <laughs> like him and Melissa Navia, yes. I, I, you just know 
that yes. there are hours of the two of them on the floor yes. just cracking each other up so hard they can't even talk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's so much fun. <laughs> and it's classic. It's classic that ships being transformed, like such a classic yeah. episode of Star Trek. Stop touching masks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Your Masaka is waking from the last episode. Every flipping time I snort oh. laugh. Like I was it was so perfect and so unexpected that 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 is per- I'm so glad you left that in and all of my like absolute dying of <laughs> laughter afterwards. Honestly, like this isn't <laughs> bragging, but I cracked myself up when I listened back to that back. I was like, wow. Because it's it not so going funny. there at all. There, there's something no, happens. Like, no. I spend all this time editing these. Like, obviously, I said the <laughs> things. But once it's edited all together, there's some kind of removal in my brain. That, that, like, I can listen to it and it's not even me. And I forget half the yeah, things that I, I say. I feel that sometimes, too. I know. Well, and we do them late. So sometimes. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, really? Wow, I was more clever than I thought I was. Listen to me sounding eloquent at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, like, I don't know if I'm going to keep in the whole thing about the student and his connection to Frankenstein. Because um, I don't want to imply that all African-American kids are fatherless. Well, like, right. Right, but... I know. But the majority of the ones at this school are. Like, that's their experience. Right. That's experience that I had. Um. And that kid, like, he wound up finding a connection to literature in a way that it changed him academically. Like, he's like, oh, this classic literature is written for me. Even though, like, none of the characters are black. Like, it doesn't, they're human. And I'm human. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he went to go on and cite this in his speech, graduation speech. And, you know, what a, you know, what a great thing. Um. Yeah, and that's what this episode. I, I guess that's that's how I emotionally connected with the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's cool, and you know what? It's neat to hear all of the the other little personal mm-hmm. connections and and how Star Trek makes you think of other things. And like, who would expect Frankenstein to be something that I want to pull up off my shelf and read again now? Like, we should mm. not now. Like, maybe mm. over. <sighs> I was going to say for Halloween, but that's like now yeah. um, or soonish now, like over Christmas break or something. We should, we should read it and then chat about it. Like, it'd be fun. And my friend Shay, who is a um, English professor, a middle school English professor, it's one of her favorite books ever. So I'm sure like it might be weird because you don't, she's one of my Star Trek people too, though. So like uh-huh. we could have a little like Zoom book club. Um, I'm I'm recording because I just finished the Vulcan Hello, oh. and my kids came out of bed and like we want to watch with you. I'm like, all right, get up here. I got ten minutes left before I go podcast. Snuggle up, and yeah, and I'm like, these are not the these Klingons don't rap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they don't go in mud baths, which is also a question I get a lot because we've watched that one a couple times. Oh, oh, the higher the <laughs> the higher the fewer. Yeah. <laughs> it does end arguments. You cannot argue with that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, did you watch any Discovery for the anniversary? I did. I did a little bit of Saru, and I did um, The Brightest Star and The Sound of Thunder. So I had my little Saru, Saru evening. Oh, I love The Sound of Thunder. I know. Well, I just, I, I would like to go just hang out and harvest seaweed for a while with all the Kelpians. <laughs> like, it, I just think it would be cool. Like, they, they seem very calming yet anxious and i i get that so we've talked well, about this post fahara is so compelling yeah. yes and your skin yes. will probably be really great after all that seaweed time <laughs> well being the pale <laughs> freckled little thing i am i would probably be completely sunburned because it looks pretty uh like they don't have a lot of shade on their planet outside of their houses so but i would yes i would be very hydrated <laughs> yes i hope we spend some more time on Kaminar. So do I. <sighs> Can I tell you how many times in the past, like, probably six weeks, I have said Kanamar and Kaminar interchangeably because <laughs> we were doing Kanamar and I, like, yeah. oh, one of little phoneme flipped. Yep. yep. <laughs> and a very like-sounding phoneme, so bleh, there's my, my Trek tongue, tongue twist. My Trek tongue twister. I can't even say it. <laughs> oh, I was reading Amelia Bedelia tonight. Bedelia. <laughs> and man, I was tripping over that over. And of course, they never say just one name. They say both names the whole time. Of course they do. <laughs> I remember downloading music from First Contact. <laughs> off the internet and and i'll never forget i found the um the themes to um scorpion right mm -hmm. and I rem now even now when i listen to the soundtrack i still hear chakotay speaking over the music because someone just like ripped it off <laughs> the episode <laughs> of course of course you heard the captain that's funny Ah, it's those things that just stick in you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's going to be one of those for this episode for me. There is something I am never going to unhear. Oh, no. Now that I've heard. No, it's not bad. It's just, it, it's like when I, I can't watch Tapestry without seeing the Nausicaan's stunt double's wig fall off in the edge of the screen. What? Now, because I've seen it. You've never oh, seen no. that? No. Yeah. <laughs> the Nausicaan's stunt double's wig falls off. And you can only see it for like a couple frames. But if you're looking for it, I believe it's the right hand side. Okay. Yes, I'm playing it back in my head. Right hand side. And <laughs> you'll see it just for a second and then it's gone. <laughs> and but I can never unsee it now. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't watch that episode a lot because I like I've said before in a bunch of episodes, I want to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. There was a period when I watched it a lot, but yeah, I like that one. It's, a it's good fun. One. I've been revisiting some season one TNG. Mm. Like I just watched Lonely Among Us for the first time in a long time. And, you know, all that Maman stuff really hits differently now that Picard season two has been out. Like his, him yeah. and his mom, 
in the yeah. corridor and you're just like oh my god now that you know and they didn't mm-hmm. know that back then but wow it's it's like raises the hair on your arms it's so much different and the, yeah i love that i love that now trek is giving us so much context to old trek that we're getting goosebumps because of it that's cool i mean that was the that's the triumph of season two yeah that's the thing like all the individual pieces are good i like the characters i love the characters actually each episode had like a very good um, pace and like they were entertaining in themselves it just didn't come together in a coherent way for me except for the whole mother storyline worked for me i mean it was really sad and it didn't fit with anything else going on but <laughs> i i I like more about Picard, so I still want to know why didn't people in the future find all these borgified police officers in the walls oh, yeah. of Chateau Picard? Yeah. Like, come on. I would like to know that too. But I also feel like it either needed to be trimmed down mm-hmm. and be like seven slightly all a little bit longer episodes, mm-hmm. or it needed like two or three more to flesh out some of the pieces that didn't feel connected to make them feel connected but they were stuck at 10 and it just felt awkward sometimes like i feel like they had both more ideas than they knew what to do with and not enough time to do the ideas that they had well kind of i mean thing. I, it's like the first two episodes set you up for something that doesn't happen until the end well yeah. but none of it make makes sense to that like all of q's like this is a penance but nothing yeah. seems like a penance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't get yeah. that line. I, I, and I could just not get it. But, I mean, literature teacher, like, this is what, you, what I do, like, analyzing story yeah. and theme and character. And I just don't get those, how those two episodes set up what happens in the past. Why did specifically going to 21st century Earth be the only way for Picard to resolve this internal struggle. Yeah. There's no connection between the two. And and they try and make something between him and Renee. And that didn't make sense like either. I don't know. So, and then <laughs> the end, re- this is why we need yeah. Legacy to come in and yep. we see that Q poofed away and did a bunch of stuff with Jack, which then changed how he came back to Picard in the end. I don't know. That's my. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. I just want more Delancey too. Like oh, I sure. could watch him be Q forever. So bring him back and have him play around with Jack for a while. Like just give me legacy, please. Yeah, and don't make them antagonistic with each other. Like they could be like right. buddies from the from oh, the man. echo. That would be a That'd different be dynamic. Fun. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sure would. Yeah. <sighs> All right, well, let's get into this, and we'll do my list after. I've got um, one thing that can totally be included in all of this button that we just did. All right, I got my script pulled up. How many colors did you end up with? Just curious. Well, I didn't color code anything, but Uh, I, I, because I do combined. I do this on the Notes app, and Uh, I don't know if it color codes. I, I haven't tried. But I had like a ton in my pro section, and I just started grouping them like like you do. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Well, I have yeah. five colors, so you know, mm. <laughs> there's there's options here. 
Okay. I, I, I think I know which one we're going to overlap on, but we'll see when we get to it. And do you notice I haven't made my um, first flight quote tweet yet? Mm. So I don't give away any secrets or any picks this time. <laughs> Interesting. That was not really intentional. I'm just so tired and busy. <laughs> I haven't done it. <laughs> no, I get it. It, it was just funny. Yeah. It was just funny. All right. <clears throat> you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm ready. <laughs> I want Chapel's job song. That's what it's known as over here. I'm like, literally, they say the name of the song 400 times. No, Chapel's job song. Okay. Oh, gosh, Abby. I, I was doing the dishes today, and my wife and I, my wife was giving me instruction on how it would be better to load the dishwasher. And she's saying, and you can put these kind of things down below. And you know what I heard in my head? <laughs> LaForge remains down below. LaForge remains below. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, uh, it's, it's delightful. <laughs> this is why you have friends in different parts of your life and important people in different parts of your life because mm -hmm. you speak different languages. <laughs> That's right. Code switched right. into your Star Trek book. Uh, yeah, always there, really. Remains <laughs> below. Okay. All right. I, I like season is so good. That's season three. I mean, yeah, right? that's my favorite season yeah. of Star Trek. Oh, what's yours? I couldn't make that choice. I don't know. You can't choose. I could. Oh, I think it depends on different times of my life. Like it's mm. definitely changed as mm. I've aged and like, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll let me think on that one. I could pick one from each show, but that's so cheating. And then I'd have to, I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. I don't know. I it, it's TNG season uh, three, Voyager season four, and then Deep Space Nine season six. That's my top three. Oh, those are all really good. Yeah. See, I. Mm. I need some modern in there though. Like there, and now I'm going, okay, which modern? If I could only have one, and I'm just like, ah, well, because I yeah, like up until this, up until Strange New World season two, my number four was probably Discovery number four, season four. See, that I really like Discovery four, but you can't take Prodigy one out. Like, <sighs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, this is a whole different show. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. All right, I'll make a list at some point. Let me marinate on that one because that, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Whew. Horizon. 